0: Good morning. That was a beautiful song. Is it wonderful to know he knows our name. Our message this morning is simply titled Forgiveness. And yet it's such an integral part of the Christian faith. Without it, there is no Christian faith without forgiveness. As way of introduction this morning, <clears throat> we're going to go back to um, our stories. You remember Harry and Larry and what was he? Jerry, yeah, there was a Jerry in there. Thank you. Senior moment, folks. But then there was Mary who took Carrie with her. Remember, Carrie was the rebellious, stubborn, self-willed person who became the lunch of Lenny the lion in Africa. Well, now Mary is home and she has to go give the news to Carrie's older brother, Barry. Barry was a very respected man of the community. He was a religious man. Many knew him in the community. And so this made it extra difficult for Mary because she felt personally responsible for Carrie's death, though it wasn't her fault. And so she went to him to ask his forgiveness. And this upstart man of the community, this religious man, said back to her, I will forgive you, but I will never forget what you did. And Barry took that to his grave. And that was a very sad thing. And what's wrong with that is this. Whereas... Barry was a religious man that knew about God. Barry did not know God. And therein lies a big difference. Let's just take a moment in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we say thank you. Thank you for the honor. Thank you for the privilege to be your children Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us at Calvary. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for giving us a hope, a hope that one day we will be with you forever and ever. Now we just ask that you would bless this time, bless the reading of your scripture. Open our hearts and our minds this morning, Lord, that we might behold wondrous things from your word. And we pray if there's anyone here this morning that does not yet know you as their Lord and Savior. Though they may know about you, but they don't know you as their personal Savior and Lord, we simply pray for them. And we pray this morning that they would discover how much you love them. And we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. And we'll start reading in verse 1. An extremely familiar story. And it is a story about forgiveness. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again into the temple. All the people were coming to him And he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. And having set her in the midst, they said to him, teach her. This woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now, in the law of Moses, it commanded them to stone such a woman. What then do you say? They were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the midst. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one accuse you? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. From now on, sin no more. May the Lord bless the reading of his scripture. There we have before us such a beautiful picture, such an obvious picture in understanding the principle of forgiveness. There was no doubt that this woman was guilty of the sin of adultery, caught in the very act. But here we see divine intervention by a just God, a holy God, a righteous God, but at the same time, a loving God full of grace and mercy. How beautiful is that? A question we can ask ourselves is, what is forgiveness in God's eyes? Well, our sins separate us from God. And then there must be a transaction so that we can be reconciled to God. Without it, there simply is no forgiveness. Why must there be forgiveness? Because of that separation to God, we are sinners. By birth, the minute we're conceived, we come into the family of sinners. Oh, now some may not like that. Oh, how can you call a baby a sinner? Here's how you can call him a sinner. First of all, God says it. Second of all, while the baby, the sweet, loving baby, is feeding on the bottle, have you ever taken it away from them before they're finished? If you don't see the sin nature, you're blind. If they had the mobility to pick up <clears throat> the ex-Mayor Carmel's 357 Magnum pistol, they would blow the parent out of existence because they took that bottle from them because they wanted it. It's in us. The sin nature's in us the moment we're conceived. And it's not a good time to blame Adam and Eve. Oh, if I was only... Well, if you were only back there, what would you have done differently? Who can have the arrogance to say they wouldn't have done what Adam and Eve did? No one. God simply says in Romans 3.23, all fall short of the glory of God. That's it. All fall short. That includes everyone. And without forgiveness... There is no real peace. There is only guilt, unrest, loneliness, misery, anguish, anguish, strife, bitterness, resentment, etc. There is a level of misery in those lives. Yet we try, we try to fulfill, we try and bypass, we try and cover it with things. It's a void in our life that's been put there by God, whether we like it or not. It is there. So throughout our life, we fill it with ambition, success, the accumulation of riches, excuse me, property, things, family, friends, activities, sports, hobbies, etc. There is nothing wrong with any of those things in themselves. But when we become obsessed with them, trying to distract ourselves from the real problem, that's wrong. One of my favorite songs has a, has a verse that I just love. So it says, years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not, my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died. Mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul fell liberty at Calvary. It's a wonderful song. Jesus Christ is the greatest example of the solution for forgiveness this world has ever known. Jesus Christ literally gave His life at Calvary for us. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. The very fact that there's forgiveness shows God loves us. God loves us. God loves the unlovable. Again, someone might be offended by that who doesn't know the Lord. But I'm sorry. We're just not that lovable. All of us have a streak in us that can be unpleasant. Is that a tactful word? HR approved for today? My mother used to call it other things. But he loves us. Romans five eight says, "But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us." There is the act of love. We were so undeserving. Also, God requires the shedding of blood for forgiveness. Hebrews nine twenty two says, "Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness." It has been said by some that they don't like Christianity because it's a bloody religion. I'm here to tell you, I love Christianity because it's a bloody religion. And here's why. Because he shed his precious blood for me and for you who are so unworthy. Yes, we are unworthy. We deserved nothing but condemnation as sinners. We did nothing to earn. But he gave it because he loves us. First Peter 2.24 says, And he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we are healed. If you're truly born again out there this morning, you've been healed. Hallelujah. Amen? Thank you. Eat your heart out, Dean. I may have to ask his forgiveness after we're done here. He's already forgiven me. Now there's a picture of God's grace. Another question, where do we go for forgiveness? We go to Christ. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. Through what? His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us. Isn't that a marvelous verse? Such shows the character of our God. He is also our Savior. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How can we receive forgiveness? You know, for centuries... Man has been trying to figure out how to get forgiveness of God apart from God's simple, easy plan of salvation. Oh, he's just gone to the ends of the earth to do this. Man always wants to reject God's solution. And the banner is any way but God's way. And you know where it started? Amazing. The spirit of rejection of God's plan in one word, Cain. How about that? That soon, Cain, Cain started. There must be a better way. Instead of like his brother giving an animal sacrifice with blood. No, no, he had to do it his way. He's going to bring him vegetables. Nothing personal, Pastor. (laughs) Didn't work. Did not work for God. Okay? That's all I'm saying. But the cow was okay. That's the end of my advertisement for beef today. But he didn't. He He had a spirit of rebellion. He was a rebellious man. And so it is with every person who rejects God's plan of salvation. They're just bound up in rebellion. Look at the Tower of Babel. Idol worship, all forms of idolatry, sacrifices. Oh, here's a good one good works. I remember a guy telling me once that he was practicing through the preaching of his mother the golden rule. You don't hear that much anymore. But there was a time where that was so prevalent. I just live by the golden rule. You see, if I try and do good to others, you know, it doesn't matter what they do to me, but I'll do good to others and God will see that as a good thing and that'll be my key to get into God, get into heaven, get into eternal life. It was, it came up from a rebellious person who was directed by the author and perfection, perfector, excuse me, of false religions, the devil. Every religion except Christianity is a tool, a design by the devil. Here is God's answer to all of that in Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. A resounding rejection by God. When approaching God, seeking to be saved, we must be sincere and genuine with God. We may fool us, we may fool others, but you cannot fool the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-understanding, sovereign God. Okay? God knows a con before the con knows he's going to be a con. Here's why. Because he's God. Before the foundation of this world, he knew the complete life, when it would start, when it would end, of every person in this room. Okay? Before the foundation of the beginning of this world. And not just this room. But every person who has existed and will exist in this vast realm of humanity, created by him, by the way, he knows. Before the foundations, he knew who was going to accept Him and who was going to reject him. It amazes me how many people can be so grieved and so miserable. And yet, not have the transaction of salvation take place when they pray the sinner's prayer. Why is that? Because they're sorry and they're miserable in their situations and their circumstances, which may very well be a miserable situation. No one's denying that. Our situations and our circumstances and our miserable things in life are used to drive us to God. Otherwise, we would never get there. No one who is happy and perfect and life is great even gives God a thought. So the difficulties of our life, the miseries of our life are what drive us to the cross. Okay. However. They cannot be the reason to accept Jesus Christ. Only one thing can be the reason, and it's seeing ourselves as a sinner in need of being saved through the death, burial, and resurrection and the blood of Jesus Christ. Plus nothing. Minus nothing. Okay? And so you see some people come to God wailing and just, oh, they're just weeping. And you go, how could this person not have been saved when they made the prayer? Because they were miserable about their life, not their standing before a righteous God as sinners. That's why. That's why so many over the years have prayed and yet nothing in their life resembles a Christian afterwards. Well, they may read their Bible. They may go to church. They may tithe. They may tithe 10% perfectly. They may do everything perfectly. But there is no spirit of God in them because they approach God. Their approach to God was not a genuine one. And yet God's solution is so easy. It's not difficult. It's man who, who mucks it up. God's solution is so easy. For by grace are we saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's it. That's it. That's it. But that's too difficult for some because it identifies what the problem is. We, the sinner, are in need of being saved by a righteous God. They don't like that. They don't want to deal with that. They'd rather be miserable in their situations, and in their life. And the outcome is a horrible one. Because you're only in one of two places when this life is all done. Okay, it isn't like the people who say, well, I'm just going to live my life the way I want, and then I'm dead, and that's the end of it. I'm just really sorry. They're going to find out the moment they're dead, they were dead wrong. All these terrorists over there that think the moment they blow themselves up and kill others, they're going to see the 20 virgins. News flash. They're going to see hell and nothing but it. It's a big fat lie. And who's behind the whole thing? The devil. Why must we receive forgiveness? Why is it so essential? Ephesians 4, 30-32 tells us exactly why we need and we're forgiven and oh, here's the part that gets a little irritable. Why we need to forgive in our life. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as Christ has also forgiven you. It's an amazing thing that our judgment can get so clouded when we who were so undeserving and deserving of hell were forgiven by a righteous, perfect, sinless God that all of a sudden we can decide when and who we as the sinner who have been forgiven can decide if we really want to forgive somebody. Hence, how Barry was so hypocritical in saying, I will forgive, but I will never forget. That's a lie. There's no forgiveness in it. Because God, when He forgives, it's gone. Psalm 103, 10 and 11 and 12. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, or we'd be gone. We wouldn't even be a memory. Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. The slate is clean on the basis of our slate being clean, are we so arrogant? Are we so prideful that we can decide who we're going to forgive and who we're not? Who we can be bitter at and resentful and not? I'm sorry. If you're struggling with any one of these things in your Christian life, your Christian life is going nowhere except backwards. There is no growth in your life. There is nothing happening with the Holy Spirit because we have quenched the Spirit of God in us if we're holding anything against anybody. We don't have that privilege. God says, no, I forgave you. You forgive others. Period. And all, one of the most tough things as Christians, we must be willing to ask for forgiveness when we've wronged someone else. Only sin and pride refuses to let us do that. And we all know there's no sin worse than pride. It's what casts the devil out of heaven. Period. Period. And if you're a parent or to be a parent (laughs) sooner or later when raising those kids and I fully endorse everything the pastor said earlier about the rod. News flash. They both had the rod. Did they survive? Are they hindered for life? No. Another lie. But at the same time Sooner or later, as a parent, you're going to do something wrong. Okay? And guess what? The kids are there for a learning platform for us on forgiveness. Because you can say, oh, they're just kids. they don't have to ask. That forgiveness? What do they know? They don't even know it. They know it. They know it. And so there will be times, personal experience, where you have to humble yourself. Go back to your child and say, you know, dad was wrong in this. Dad was wrong. I shouldn't have done, said, whatever it is to you. Would you please forgive me? And here's the wonderful thing about children. They haven't been scarred with this life. They haven't been tarnished with this life. They are perfect examples of God's premise of forgiveness Oh Dad, I love you. Oh Mom, I love you. Yes, yes, yes. You see, they haven't built up all those those ugly things in their life. Where when when we have the tendency to go, well, I'll forgive but I won't forget. No. We should learn from that. We have to be able to at times ask forgiveness. There's one thing that's said today that that I don't even know why they say it, because it's meaningless and it drives me crazy if it doesn't drive you. And it's, have you ever been in a store? Have you ever been in the grocery store or the department store or the hardware store? And you ask, hey, do you have this? Nah, sorry about that. i want so bad to say, excuse me? Huh? What'd you just say? I don't know. Oh, right there, huh? But I want to say when they say uh, "Sorry about that," I want to go, "How oh, sorry? <laughs> how sorry? No, early? Well, I want to know how sorry." And by this time, they'd be going, "Who?" Huh? You know, because there's no concept, there's no spirit of even thinking about it. It's become a slang saying, "Sorry about that." There's no root of desire to apologize, but there must be for us as Christians. So we have to be able to forgive. And we have to be able to ask forgiveness when necessary. And the best place where we know how to do that is with our Savior. Amen? Hopefully every day we go to Him at the end of the day. Or sometimes write that, oh, Lord, I'm thinking the wrong thing. Please forgive me. It's not right for me to want to shoot my neighbor. <laughs> not that any of you have done that or had the thought. But whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about? No. It's so like, oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm... It's wrong. We have to keep the slate clean. So we need to be able to come to God with a, with a genuine understanding of what needs to take place to meet him and accept him as our Savior. And as Christians, we need to understand the principle of forgiveness. And if you're here today and there's something that's been clawing at you that you've been a prisoner and captive of from the past, get it taken care of don't let the sun go down on your anger today because god tells you don't do that and you will be freed the vitality that's found in the spirit of god will come back into your life get it's a refresher course to be on the straight and narrow amen let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this day we thank you for this time We thank you for your principle of forgiveness. How thankful we are that you forgave us, Father. How thankful we are that you loved us enough to send your son to Calvary. How thankful we are this morning, Lord Jesus, that you said while you were on that cross suffering for the payment of our sins, it is said in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross, despising the shame, and have sat down at the right hand of the Father. And for that, we're truly thankful this morning. And we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.